I know you've already heard it, but I want to say once again, Happy Mother's Day. We're glad you've joined us for worship today at Brown Corners Church. If you are here for the very first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you've never filled out one of our connection cards that you should find in the seat back uh, near you, that would be a huge help if you could do that for us. Or maybe if you've moved, your information has changed recently, if you could... Uh, uh, get us a, um, a record of your, um, your information so that we can stay in touch with you and be able to, uh, we have a free gift we'd like to give you and just be able to answer any questions you might have about our church today. If you have a copy of your bulletins, um, I want to encourage you to just take a look at some of those things. There are some, some things going on that, uh, you know, it's busy spring and graduations around the corner and uh, so we just want to make sure you, you take note of all the announcements and all the things that are going on. But especially, I just want to point out a couple of things. First of all, since it is Mother's Day, we are not having any evening activities at the church today. Uh, we, the kids' ministry, uh, Route 28, our Bible study classes, we want to encourage you to spend time with your families. If, if your mom is, is around and, and you have a chance to be able to connect with her, we want to en- encourage you to do that. And so there will be no evening activities tonight at the church. Secondly, I want to say, I just want to apologize if you came today expecting a baby dedication. We've been announcing that for a few weeks, but several of the families that we had lined up to do it had scheduling conflicts, and one by one we were getting phone calls. I don't think I can do it this week. Can we do it a different week? And so we have enough of those now. We decided to postpone it so that we can get everybody together at a different time. So we we will be having a baby dedication, but it is uh, going to be postponed because of scheduling this week. Um, Finally, I want you to Notice that there, on the very back of the bulletin, there are a couple of announcements regarding some of our ministry partners that I want to make sure you take a look at. Uh, Love, Inc. has a couple of announcements. Uh, one is about the yard sale that's coming up in June. We just want to make sure that you have that on your, on your calendar, and, and you'll be able to uh, find out some more ways you can get involved with that here in the coming weeks. Also, they're going to be moving, they're relocating, and so uh, there's some information there on how you can help be a part of that and do some painting and everything next weekend. And then finally, we mentioned it last week, but Hope and Harrison is having their annual life walk, and there's information about that at the, at the bottom. Make sure you take a look at that. Finally, moms, we want to let you know that how much we appreciate you and thank you, and we just have a very small token of our appreciation that we want to give you after the service today. So on your way out, there'll be a few uh, young folks handing out some just little small Mother's Day thank yous. Uh, we just want you to know how much you're appreciated. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, please join me in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. The title of today's message is, Our Compassionate God. I don't have a, I don't have a PowerPoint up there, but if you are following along in your bulletins and want to fill in the notes, we have, we have a few, few things that you can jot down as we go along. I decided to take a, a, a week hiatus from the Gospel of Mark. Um, to, to highlight this passage that I thought really had some neat things to say about moms. Uh, I thought it was interesting, our next passage in Mark that we would have been studying today, I just thought it wasn't necessarily the most appropriate for Mother's Day because uh, the passage in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6 that we'll be looking at next is actually about a mom who asked her daughter to have John the Baptist beheaded. And so I thought maybe that wouldn't be the best mom in the Bible to highlight. Uh, We'll talk about her a little bit next week, but I thought, ah, that's not the best text for Mother's Day. So uh, I I came across this passage in Isaiah 49 that I hadn't really seen before. And so if you found your place there, 
Uh, We're going to read just verses 13 through 16, and I think it'll encourage your hearts this morning. Follow along, Isaiah chapter 49, beginning in verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord's forsaken me. My my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? She should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. I will never forget the birth of our first child. My wife and I were living downstate in Clarksville, Michigan at the time, and we had our go bags ready and packed, and of course, my wife was, was dying to give birth, uh, not only because she wanted to see this little guy, but we didn't know if it was a guy or a girl, but uh, also because it was uh, summer, the heat of summer, uh, 9, 10, 11 months pregnant, whatever it was, she was... She was very, very uncomfortable, and uh, so she, uh, we got up one morning, and she said, I, I think today's the day, and so we got in the car and, and headed down, and, and we were panicking because uh, we, we'd had a, a boy's name picked out. We knew if, if he was a boy, uh, we knew for sure what we were going to name him. We still hadn't decided on a girl's name, so while I was in the middle of contractions on the way down to the hospital, we're still trying to argue about girls' names and trying to decide on something, so we get in there. And uh, she was in labor for about 11 hours. And I, I said that in the first service, and I heard her shout out over here, 11 and a half. Because <laughs> women, you know every minute, right? And, uh, and so uh, I just, you know, I'm a 22-year-old kid, first-time dad. I'm trying to just, I'm just trying to do whatever I can, like a hapless, you know, moron running around the, 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 the delivery room just trying to do whatever I can to help her, encourage her, give her, you want some ice, you want this, you want that, and trying to avoid the blows and just, uh, just doing my best. Um, but wow, just the agony and the amount of pain. And, and um, because she had told the doctor, she said, I want to, I want to have him naturally. Uh, that was the last time she said that, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just, I, just, I just was watching this whole process thinking, oh my word, this looks awful. I, I, can't, re- I can't imagine that any family has more than one child. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought even back to the, the months of, of carrying Caleb and, and the, uh, you know, both of our, 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 our boys that were uh, our biological sons were over nine pounds. And, and they, uh, and, and just with, she'd had a couple of back surgeries before that. And so it's just the, the effort and carrying them, plus carrying a, a child at the height of your pregnancy and the heat. It was a hot summer. I remember that hot, hot summer and trying to find comfortable positions in bed. Just nine months of this culminating in, in one of the most painful things that a human could ever go through. And you would almost think that by the time it, it was over with, that a mother wouldn't want anything to do with that little creature that has caused them nine months of agony and discomfort and morning sickness. But I'll be, if, if, if when he didn't come out, if, if she didn't grab a hold of him and hold him close, 
She wanted so badly to, to see this child that she had nurtured and cared for within her womb for nine months, had, had read books about and, and taken her prenatal vitamins and got exercise and eat, eating right so that she could, all of that culminated in being able to see this, this little guy that she could hold for the first time. You think with all of that pain and all that difficulty, you might want nothing to do with the source of that pain. It was exactly the opposite. This loving mother wanted nothing more to hold tightly that sweet newborn that she had waited so long for. And that is the picture that we get of God in this passage of Isaiah, in, in Isaiah today. These, these people who had caused God so much pain, so much hurt, so much agony. And yet he said, I still hold you close. Just like a nursing mother holds her newborn. That's how I feel about my people. At this point in the book of Isaiah, really the first 39 chapters of Isaiah were devoted to God explaining to the people what was coming. They had rebelled, 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 forsaken, and sought idols. And God said through the prophets, listen, if you don't turn back, you're going to be punished. And He warned them and He called them back to repentance. For years and years they were being called by God to come back to return to their God. And yet they rebelled. And so God punished them. He allowed them to be taken captive by the Babylonians. In Isaiah, first 39 chapters are devoted to that judgment. But then something happens in chapter 40, and, and, and the, the whole tenure of the book changes, the whole flow of the language, and, and God begins to focus on redemption and restoring His people and reminds them of His steadfast love for them. From chapter 40 on, we see that God consoling and comforting His people as He prepares the promised salvation through the Messiah. And this passage here captures well this thought of God's, God's steadfast love, His remaining compassion towards a rebellious and idolatrous people. So if you're filling out the notes, the first thought of the outline is, is we see this passage proclaiming God's compassion. Proclaiming God's compassion. Verse 13, he breaks, breaks forth in a call to worship. He says, sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. The prophet calls all the earth to join in glad song and in rejoicing for God's compassion. We see this is the why of worship, really. He says, to do this, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on His afflicted. One writer says that worldwide redemption calls for cosmic celebration. The people of God, now from all nations, are so richly comforted and loved it takes nothing less than the heavens, the earth, and the mountains to shout their hurrahs to God. And if you're familiar with Romans chapter 8, you know that that's exactly what God says will happen. That right now the earth is groaning and longing for redemption, but one day that will be fulfilled and we'll be able to rejoice along with all the earth 
at the redemption that is completed. And he says, I want you to, to sing. I want you to rejoice. I want you to exult. I want you to celebrate God's compassion and comfort for His people. You know, as we experience God's grace in our life, it should cause us to flow over into praise. That should be the natural overflow of God's working in and through us. And in our midst is that we should exalt Him through, through song and words of praise. He tells us that God has comforted His people. will have compassion on His afflicted. The word comfort simply means that. It's God coming alongside and loving those who are downcast. Letting them know His, his nearness. That there's an intimacy that can be experienced with God. The word compassion means God's mercy, God's pity. The verb is in the imperfect, which shows a continuous, ongoing work of God. That He will continually show His tender mercies to His people. The idea behind God's compassion, the real amazing part of God's loving tender mercies is that they're not earned. They're not deserved. It's one thing if you do something and in return you get something back. But it's something altogether different if you do something undeserving, do something unkind, do something unloving, and yet you get love in return. That's, that's the mercy of God. Not giving us what we deserve. And God's grace is giving, the th- giving us the things that we don't deserve. And that's what God's people saw here in Isaiah. Over and over and over, they had seen God's compassion. They had seen God's compassion in Egypt when God didn't forsake them and give up on them. He found a way to bring them from Egypt to deliver them. And He did it miraculously. And then they get out outside of Egypt, and they complained that God wasn't going to take care of them. And what did He do? He, he fed them. He clothed them. He gave them water to drink. He literally gave them bread from heaven out in the wilderness. They had seen God's compassion and His loving kindness over and over and over again. Even the first time when they rebelled as they came to enter the promised land, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and they turned their back on God and said, we're not going to trust your promises. And they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Even in the midst of God's judgment there, they knew His, His tender mercies and His provision. As they finally went into the land 40 years later and conquered, they saw God's faithfulness and going before them and wiping out the enemies that they were supposed to face. God continually taking care of them. God pursues His people. And that's what the Israelites saw. And they had every reason to rejoice, to lift up and praise God for God's tenderness. I want you to know that God's loving kindness, His compassion is available for you today. You might be walking through something difficult and, 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 and uncertain whether this same God is, is near to you as well. Open up your eyes to see the goodness of God in your life. All the reasons we have to lift up our voices in praise. 
But unfortunately, the Israelites weren't ready to do that. And the, the second thought really here out of the text from verse 14 is, is that they were doubting God's compassion. They were doubting God's compassion. It says that they cried out, Zion says, it could be also translated, Israel said, the Lord has forsaken me. The, the Lord has forgotten me. God has completely left us behind. You see, they, they had it good. They had the land and they had their, 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 their cities and they had everything going well for them, so they thought. But as they disobeyed God, as they pursued their own thing, pursued other idols, and, and they, were, they were punished by God, all of, a, none, all of a sudden now their song changed. And they said, God's completely forgotten us. We're no longer on God's radar screen. He doesn't care about us anymore. It says in verse 14, he's forsaken me. He's forgotten me. The, the, it's interesting how the, it's worded there in the Hebrew. The first word, uh, forsaken, indicates an outward abandoning. And the second word, forgotten, indicates an inner forsakening. They, they really felt that God had not only physically left them, but also spiritually left them. That they couldn't, they couldn't count on His physical presence, and now they couldn't count on His inward spiritual presence. God was nowhere to be found. I don't know if you've ever felt like this in your human relationships. Hopefully on a day like today, hopefully on Mother's Day, none of you walked in and, 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 and heard the welcome this morning and said, oh no, it's Mother's Day. Hopefully you've not experienced that forgetting a birthday, forgetting an anniversary. But if you've been on the receiving end, Especially, it seems like those days are, are especially important to our wives and to ladies. And, and you know, if, if you've ever not gotten a phone call on Mother's Day or, or, or had your husband forget your anniversary, you know that that's, that's hurtful. That's, there's trouble brewing. There's trouble in the house on days like that. It's no fun to feel alone. It's no fun to feel forgotten. But that's how, that's how the people of Israel felt at this moment, they felt like God was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. They'd been utterly forsaken. Their cities had been laid waste by the Babylonians. Many of them had, had been taken into exile in Babylon. And they just, they just looked and said, ah, He's not here. There might be many of you here that feel the same way about God this morning. Maybe you're in a position in your life where you just are calling out to Him and nothing's happening. You've tried this or that and nothing has seemed to work. And you feel like God is no longer listening. God's not paying attention. I think every Christian feels like that at certain moments, but... When, when those moments stretch into hours, and when those hours stretch into days, and when those days stretch into weeks, and those weeks stretch into years, it can become a very discouraging and disheartening process. But God wanted the Israelites to know that no matter how they felt, their perception was not reality. Even though they felt forsaken by God, He lets them know that such a thing has not happened. Isaiah 54, 8 captures this, this thought well. He's the Lord speaking, and he says, In overflowing anger, for a moment I hid my face from you. 
but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And so finally, we see that we can experience God's compassion or experiencing God's compassion is number three, experiencing God's compassion. So he gives us a beautiful illustration of this faithful, compassionate, tender God. And he says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? He asks a couple of questions here. He says, can a a mom, can a nursing mom just completely forget about her baby? Just completely uh, uh, um, have him disappear from her mind? Is it possible for her to not have compassion on the son of her womb? These questions are meant to be rhetorical. The idea that Isaiah is trying to communicate is is that, of course not. A a good mother, a a real mother, isn't just going to forget she had a baby. I remember that I developed pretty quickly the ability to ignore a crying baby at night. And I I got pretty good at being able to sleep through uh, my son's cries. I wanted a good night's sleep. I was tired of these sleepless nights. But you know what? My wife had like, like radar... Uh, I mean, she heard things that, that where there was no sound. I mean, it was amazing. Did you hear that? What was that? And, and even just the slightest whimper coming from down the hallway in, in another room, uh, the baby's hungry. Go get him. I didn't even hear anything. I, I heard him. And by the time I'm down the hallway and walking in there, then the cries start. It's like moms just have the ability to anticipate it, and they have this ability to sense it. This closeness. And he says, can a mom just forget about that child? Just like one day, completely forget that that baby's in the other room? Forget that she's even a mom anymore? He said, that's silly. A mom, a mom is pictured here as as a picture of God. (laughs) You know, I, I watched as, as my wife and I brought our baby home and, and how she just doted on him. She, she knew exactly what to do. She had to teach me all these things. Uh, she, she knew uh, how to gently wash and clean him without, without getting the water in his nose and his eyes. And she knew how to change his diaper and she knew when the diaper was, was dirty and that that was making him cry. And she knew when, when he needed to feed and and, and, and just knew all the ins and outs and cared so gently and tenderly for him. That's the picture that God is giving, giving us of his relationship to us. He knows our needs. He knows us inside and out. He cares so much about us. The prophet here is saying it, it's silly to think that, 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 that God would all of a sudden stop caring. It's ridiculous to think that God would abandon you. Would a mother do that to her child? It's interesting, though, because the prophet knows he's living in a sinful world, and he knows that any illustration about God uh, with, on human terms has its limitations. And so he actually says there in verse 15, after he asks these rhetorical, rhetorical questions, he says, well, even these may forget. He says, listen, I know the realities of living in a sinful, fallen world, and, and it is possible for a mom to forget to be a mom. Our, our foster care system is littered with, with children whose parents have, have at some point 
stopped being parents, and their home was not safe for these kids to be in anymore. And so we know in a sinful, fallen world that, that there are parents who don't act the way that they should be and don't treat their children the way they should be. In a fallen world, he recognizes that, yeah, all right, the illustration ends here, because in this sinful world, sinful world even, even, even a mom can neglect to be a mom. Even a dad could neglect to be a, a, a dad. So that's why he puts in this caveat here. He says, even these may forget, yet, yet, I will not forget you. <laughs> on, on this Mother's Day, we might be able to look fondly back and, and think about all the things our moms did for us and the ways they showed us affection. But I know that in a room this size that there are people who did not have great parents, who maybe never felt that affection from their parents. And so God reminds us that maybe, maybe your mom forgot, maybe your parents neglected, but God says, I, I won't. <laughs> what a tremendous comfort. What a word of encouragement to know that we have a God who finds it impossible to neglect his children. And his loving care, his tender mercies are beyond anything that we could ever imagine. The prophet, one writer says, the prophet asks us to think of a mother's attachment and then go a step further. That is what God's attachment is to us. Much the same point is made in Psalm 27.10. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. We must never allow our sense of God's offended justice to obscure the truth from our eyes that He is love. Earthly love, as wonderful it is, as it is, may cease, but His love has no limits whatsoever. See, these were a people who had every right, who God had every right to abandon, to leave because of their, their rebellion and their wickedness. And yet He chose to love and pursue them. And you know what? He does the same thing to you and I. Boy, I don't know about you, but I, I blow it on a regular basis, whether it's with my family, with my wife and kids, whether it's as, as a pastor and, and, and being the, the best kind of pastor that God's called me to, whether it's in my, my own personal life, wherever it is, I, I, I blow it, I sin. And I know what I deserve. The Bible makes it very, very clear that the, the punishment my sin deserves. The Bible says for all those who've trusted in Christ as their Savior, that, that punishment has been placed on Christ. He's taken it from us. And God's tender love will be faithful, 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 no matter what. No matter if I'm a jerk to my wife and kids, grumpy to my friends, and speak unkind things, or think the wrong things, God's Never giving up, never stopping love will be there till the end. I love the, the last phrase or, or the first phrase of verse 16. He says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. I've written your name down. You're so near and dear to me that my, my name, your name is, is written there. You know, we, in our culture even, we, you know, before, I guess, especially before smartphones, we could write little notes in our phones that were with us all the time. You know, if we had something important or on the spot, we'd, we'd often write it on our hands. 
don't see that happening as much anymore. But we did that because we constantly would see it. And if you wrote it on your shoulder, it's not going to be much, much likelihood of being reminded of, of that note. But if you wrote it on your hands, it was right there before you all the time. You could see it. It's kind of the picture here that God's giving of us. Is, as our, our name is right there where I can see it. You're, you're before me. I'm thinking about you. I haven't forgotten you. In that culture, sometimes even a master, master's name would be written on a, on a servant's hand or on his arm. But here the, the flip-flop is happening. Instead of a master's name being written on the servant's hand, the, the servant's name is written on the master's hands. The master's hand. One writer says this is the divine condescension that we have, uh, that we've come to expect in the book of Isaiah. The master does not expect the servant to somehow attain to his height, but the master comes down to the servant's place. And we see in a very physical and a very tangible way the compassion and loving kindness of God. I just want to close by reminding you of a few ways that you can experience the compassion of God. First of all, remind yourself of Christ's redemptive work. The ultimate act of God's mercy was found in the gift of His Son on the cross for our sins. In all of God's mercy, all acts of His mercy flow from that single gift, that good and gracious gift. Remind yourself regularly of the love of God as shown upon the cross. Secondly, Go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. I, I still have some of the love notes that my wife wrote me when, when we were dating. And I, I occasionally will open them up and, and read some of the things that she wrote me. And it just warms, warms my heart. It reminds me of, of the love that she has for me. You know, when we open up God's Word, it causes us to remember things that maybe we're in the middle of doubting. We're, we're called back to things that, that we need to be reminded of. We forget. We're forgetful people. We can walk out of church on, on, on cloud nine having a great, awesome worship experience, hop in the car and have a huge fight with our spouse, and by the end of the day completely forgotten anything that we ever learned at church or we ever worshiped God for. We, we forget so easily. We need to come back to God's Word Daily, to remind ourselves of the great love and compassion He has for us. It's interesting, if you note in verse 13, the tenses of the words, it says, for the Lord has comforted, so there's a past tense there, and then it says, will have compassion on His afflicted. You know, that's a really a good process to encourage yourselves and to remind yourselves by looking at the past, God's past comfort, and, and, and looking at the future comfort, looking at the past, looking at the Word of God and what He's done, His faithfulness in the lives of, of those around Him, looking at, looking at the lives of people in, in our own lives, and then, of course, looking at our own history and seeing what God has done and His goodness and faithfulness and calling to mind His grace. And then also the future, looking ahead to God's redemptive work and one day being face-to-face with our Lord and Savior for all eternity. Thirdly, you can experience the compassion of God by fellowshipping with God's people. By fellowshipping with God's people. When we have the opportunity to come together to worship, uh, I can't tell you how, what a blessing it is to be able to know that there are people here that will encourage me. You may feel forsaken. You may feel forgotten. 
But don't let yourself get isolated. Come and be around God's people. Be around people who will speak truth into you. Put a loving arm around you and pray with you and pray for you. And then fourthly, the inward testimony of God's Holy Spirit. The Bible, Bible tells us that His Spirit testifies with our spirit that we truly are God's sons and daughters. That means that His Holy Spirit is working in our lives to remind us that we are His and that he, we are loved. What a blessing that is. I can, I can remember a time when my wife and I desperately needed to feel the compassion of God. You know, we, we, we knew what God's Word said, and we weren't particularly going through a, a period of doubt, but it, it sure was a time of struggle. We were, uh, we had just brought Owen into our home. Most of you know Owen, our, our, well, our youngest two are both adopted, and we were able to get Owen right from the hospital. But it didn't take us many weeks to figure out that there was something wrong with Owen. Uh, my wife was, um, was, uh, was feeding him one day, and uh, he vomited, but it was, it, was, it was more nasty than normal baby spit up. And uh, this, this began to happen over and over and over again, so we took him to the doctors, and they switched formulas, but it continued to happen, and it continued to happen with, with regularity, and it was, it was getting to the point where, like, okay, I know it's almost lunchtime, but it was like projectile vomiting, and it was, it was getting really bad, and so my wife just cared for this guy and loved him and, and would not take, I don't know, for an answer. I'm not sure what's going on. So we were going to doctors, and she would take him to urgent care and then to emergency room, and just trying to find a doctor that could figure out what it was. And they kept switching formulas and trying things, thinking he had a, a sensitive tummy. And this went on for several weeks. And meanwhile, uh, he was getting weaker and weaker and weaker and, and got to the point where he really, he was, he was, uh, he was about seven weeks old, and he just, just looked gaunt and pale, and had dark circles around his eyes, and we were trying everything we could to figure out what was wrong with him, and so I still remember she, she had, she'd really pressed the doctor and asked if we could do an ultrasound, and so the doctor scheduled one. It was a Thursday morning down in Mount Pleasant, and we went there, and the, the ultrasound tech was looking around and taking pictures, and she said, you know what? Your, your son has pyloric stenosis, and I hadn't I didn't know what that was, so I had to ask, and it's apparently the, the muscle at the base of your stomach um, eventually, uh, with, these condition, with, with folks with this condition, it's usually, about, it's usually boys, and it's usually about six to eight weeks is where it happens, that muscle eventually clamps shut, and so then none of the nutrients are going into his digestive system, and so he'd, he'd eat his food, it'd kind of hit rock bottom, and then come right straight back up, and uh, he was, his body wasn't absorbing any of the nutrients from the, from the formula. And so I'll never forget, we drove right straight from there over to the doctor's office, and, and we walked in, and we, the doctor saw us right away, and we, we said, they said it's pyloric stenosis, and right at that minute, Owen did another one of his projectile vomits, and, and, uh, and the, doctor, the doctor just took one look at him, and just how he went limp afterwards, and he said, I'm, I'm sending you down to the children's hospital down in Mount Pleasant, go pack some bags and get down there as fast as you can. And... Um, I'm pretty sure my wife made it to Grand Rapids in about an hour 20, hour 15. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were flying. And uh, so you, you heard it up here. There are, there are times when it's okay to speed. Sorry, Jeff. But uh, there are times, times when it's all right. And uh, so we got down there, and we got him down. They rushed him into a room. We got him in there. And literally, we weren't there maybe 10 minutes, and he stopped breathing. And we, 
we just, we just were kind of numb, but we, we, we sensed God's compassion. We sensed God's presence. Even in this moment of great fear, uh, we sensed a, a, just an un, unexplainable peace from God. And um, we, um, they, they got him breathing. They, they got a bunch of tubes and IVs in him. And it took them about five days just to get him hydrated enough where they could do the surgery on, on the stomach, and it's a, it's a pretty straightforward surgery. The doctor that did it said, you know, I, I, I do this all the time. It's okay, and, and, uh, and so uh, during that whole process, though, I could barely get my wife to leave his side. She, she, just, she just was so, I mean, we both were, were so, so caring and so just wanted to see this guy get well, and, and, and so she would sleep on, on the, the lousy sleeper bed there in the room just so she could be right next to him and, and just show that tenderness and that love, even when she couldn't hold him because he was in the machine and all hooked up, just, just holding onto his arm. And, and just that motherly love, I, I got to see this passage being lived out uh, right before me. But we found ourselves exhausted. And, and, and while I saw her giving that compassion to our son, we both felt ourselves in need of that same compassion and strength from God. And he'd, he'd been sustaining us, but I, I think I had been just kind of making it through on, on grit and toughness, you know, trying to be strong for my wife and, and for our other boys and, and just trying to get through this. But we were just exhausted. And I still remember one night, I think they had done the surgery. And so uh, we had some other family members there, and I said, honey, we just need to get out and go for a walk. We need to, we were in downtown Grand Rapids. I said, let's go get a bite to eat and just, just get away for a little bit. And I finally talked her into it, and um, I, uh, it, was, it was during the Art Prize Festival down in Grand Rapids, which if you've never been to that, it's a pretty neat time. They have art all over the city, and just a lot of neat, neat places to walk around and see, see some unique things. Um, I, I didn't plan this at all, but I heard on the, on the elevator up to go get Elisa that they were doing something with some Chinese lanterns that night, and that they were releasing them at, at such and such a time at dark, and uh, I thought that'd be kind of cool. And so I got Elisa, and I didn't tell her about that at all. And as we walked out of the hospital, and, and there was nothing like scriptural about this, or, or anything where there, was, there were verses that were, that were being read to us or anything like that. But we walked out of there and all of a sudden, uh, just the night sky just began to light up. Literally, you can, still, you can read about it, it was 2012. I don't think they did it after that because there were fire hazards. But there were literally thousands, thousands of lanterns as we walked out of this hospital in downtown Grand Rapids just going up around us. And the whole sky was lit up. Even with the city lights, you could see just this whole sky full of, it just looked like stars that had just come in really, really close. It was unbelievable. And, and there was just something about that moment as my wife and I walked out, just desperately needing to feel the, the grace and the compassion of God that just reminded us of God's nearness, that I'm, I'm right here. You know, you know those stars that, that seem so far away? And maybe I feel like that sometimes too. I, I, can, I can bring them right in. And I just want you to know that I, I, am, I am right here with you in the midst of your uncertainty and your doubt and your fears. I am right there. And it was just one of those moments that I, it, it takes a lot to get me choked up and, and teared up. But that was just one of those moments that we just, we just held each other and knew that we're just reminded by God's Holy Spirit, that he, he had not gone anywhere, he had not left us, he had not, not vanished in these moments of pain and difficulty. 
God was gracious to bring Owen through that, and if you see him now flying around the church and climbing over everything, you would never notice that he was weak and, <laughs> and sickly at one point in his life. I don't know where, where today finds you, but maybe you need to be reminded just how much God loves you. And just like that mother who draws that child close, that child who's caused her so much pain and agony, God wants to draw you close today. Even if you've caused him pain and agony lately, even if you've been rebellious, God has that that deep, dear affection. That affection that goes so deep that would cause him to give up his one and only son on the cross for your sins. That's how much God loves you. May you leave here today knowing and feeling the compassion of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I'm reminded that I'm often like these Israelites and go off doing my own thing and rebellious. But you tell us here in your word that you've not forsaken us, you've not forgotten us, no matter how we feel. God, there may be people here today feeling like God's turned their back on on them. I pray that through your word, your Holy Spirit would just remind them of the great loving kindness, the great care that you have for them. God, we're so thankful for your faithful love in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Uh, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Make sure you get your gift on the way out. Have a great day.